Good afternoon, fellow Gooners, and welcome to another episode of Cat and Talk. I'm your Mona, and of course, as usual, Aiden. How's it, guys? Lots to come, lots to discuss. Let's first go to Craven Cottage. Yeah, opening see, uh, opening match of the Premier League season 2020-2021. Uh, you know, normally, as we mentioned last week in the podcast, Craven Cottage has been quite a decent stomping ground for Arsenal. Uh, normally getting quite a few goals there. So, Arsenal were giving full debuts to Leon and Gabriel. What was your take on the lineup on the day? Um, lineup maybe surprised me. Not too much, slightly maybe, with regards to William maybe starting over Pepe. But, um, you know, top marks for the debut for him. And Gabriel as well. I didn't think maybe they would throw him in so early. But that also, you know, surprising. But also, as we will touch on it, very happy. And then also Alneni as well. I don't think I, I, I probably expected Sebeos to come in above um Alneni, but you know, as we will go on through it as well, you know, top marks to that. But you know, happy with the lineup, it seemed well balanced and everybody done their job. I was actually quite surprised. I thought, um, you know, with all the talk leading up to the game like over the past, like say, two, three weeks, I already thought Saliba would get the nod ahead of Gabriel since he, you know, like he joined up later. He also came out of quarantine, so like, you know, coming from uh, the French League. And I, I was now thinking Saliba would get the nod, but uh, I think at one point during something we heard with, with uh, regarding Arteta, we actually said he like personally felt, even though the fitness of Saliba was there, he just felt he was not really ready yet, you know, to, to unleash him yet in the league. So, yeah, back to the game again. Um, Arsenal got a, quite an early scare in the game. It was kind of communication between Gabriel and Leno. Uh, I think Leno, um, not Leno, uh, Gabriel just ended up leaving a back pass, which was really meant for him. He left it up to Leno, and but I mean, luckily Leno was quickly off his line. And as um, Cabano ended up, you know, getting in the box, wanting to go around Leno, his quick reactions kind of stopped that whole move in its tracks. Yeah, that was at the Artin Mark moment when he thought, oh no, he just how the season's going to start. And at that point, you know, Gabriel, for that few minutes, started really giving me warning signs and thinking, oh no, is, is, you know, is he maybe a bit nervous, just a sign of things to come, but... You know, luckily it, it stayed right no no at that point because it could have been a very different game conceding so early and I think Fulham would have had the tails up. So I know what you're trying to say, you had like flashbacks of Skilachi or something. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or Pascal Sigan even. I thought, oh no, another Lille defender. Let's let's hope it's not the same thing. But yeah, I know luckily Leno was quick to react and saved like you know blushes for Gabriel I mean that would have also shattered his confidence probably very early on as well but I mean as the game progressed now in that first period like that first quarter Arsenal of course had more a laid-back approach to the game uh Fulham were you know being the home side they wanted to uh, come out of the traps to agree because I already thought you know roles would be kind of reversed we would be more on the front foot but look like from the kickoff they already really came at us but, uh, but you know, when Fulham thought was growing in confidence, Arsenal also now thought, look, that was now already a warning shot. We're going to have to start changing gears. And, I mean, that then, I think Fulham then had one more chance in, I think, something like the seven minutes. But then, as they now started getting kind of, you know, uh, you know, I wouldn't say, yeah, more balls, yeah, I would say, they then end up pushing forward. And Fulham allow Aubameyang space on the left. He then cuts the ball to Xhaka, who's shot, I don't know, kind of bobbled towards <laughs> the goal. I thought William was going to kind of stab at home, but, I mean, that Hector of, of um, Fulham, he was quite quick to, you know, try to snuff out the danger, but William somehow manages to squirm a shot off the keeper, kind of, that uh, Rodak, he, he's kind of awkward with his, uh, I mean, I can't blame him really, but, I mean, he, he manages to get the end to the ball, but he ends up palming it straight to Lacazette, and, I mean, Lacazette, in the six-yard box, he's going to be a finish and he bags it. one no Arsenal. Yeah, I'd like to go back to that goal, like a few passes back. Yeah, Alneni also gave a very good pass to, um, like I said, it was slight, just over the top of the Lacazette to Aubameyang, and like just over the top, you know, beating the defender. And 
you know, Bobbyang then could cut it back to to um, Shaka. So big up still on Nini for that key pass as well. Yeah, I mean, like he's really impressed me. I mean, look, we already spoke about it the other day in the, the with this performance of the Community Shield. Yeah, he looks more positive. He, I mean, he even said under Arteta now he feels more at ease. He, he don't feel like you know that like with the pressures constantly on him. And I think, like, when you let him play and, and be creative, I mean, it, it shows a total different side. And it, it also shows a sort of side that we do lack. Because every time he was doing this little over the, uh, you know, overhead passes, it was causing all sorts of problems to uh, to Fulham. Yeah. And I think uh, even the midfield with Shaka at times, you know, added some steel there as well. Like, you know, the one, you're not going to just walk past the two of them. Yeah, because, I mean, what, what I enjoyed of both of them, look, you know, I used to get worked up for for Jacques, <laughs> giving away you know stupid fouls and it. But I mean, all they were doing is using like upper body strength to like, usher the players to the ball or uh, you know start forcing the the you know when you kind of set traps for them in in midfield. Yeah. We were just trying to usher them into different little court uh, you know quarters where we could now almost like mob them and dispossess them. Yeah, and, and I think. Once Arsenal took the lead, they started like you know taking control of the game. They truly started bossing the yeah. game and kind of dictating how the game was going to go. And you know, at at one 0 and it may sound a bit cocky, but for a long time as an Arsenal fan, you know, you were always with the recent games, especially like you know when Arteta initially took over, yeah. you always like worried about you know are we going to concede? Are we going to concede? And at that point, you know, even at one 0 before half time, you're like thinking. Yeah, we looked commanding. I don't see us throwing this away at all. And I mean, look, we, uh, with it, uh, you know, for the rest of that, that uh, second half after we went the goal up, you know, we started really, you know, peppering the Fulham goal. And look, Bellerin, we are here to give him props. He was doing a lot of forward runs. But I think the only disappointment is what we have always been mentioning in the podcast as well. He's, he just does not have that, you know, that final ball. Because every time yeah. we're kind of anticipating, look, there's so many men, because at, at times, through the way we were, if I, I mean, I think one, I watched some football analysis thing also where they were showing the other day, I think it could be match of the day, where every time Arsenal were eating um, Fulham on the counter-attack, we were almost like seven people upfield, the way we were like, opening up. And, of course, with, with Fulham trying to play narrow, they didn't know what to do, other to defend the flanks even, because we were starting to, the minute they start opening up, each of the players... Of the, in, in the team didn't know who to exactly mark because there was actually also a moment in the game, I don't know if any of you guys picked up that, you know, the listeners now, where there was actually one guy, oh, I think it was, um, what's that, left back of them, Brian? Yeah. And he had, well, I think it was a counter-attack, we met, you know, I think we just uh, missed the chance, but he started berating that midfield because he was like showing them, you guys are, are giving Arsenal so much space in the midfield for them to now you know, spread, uh, you know, widen the game and like literally picked him now apart. Yeah, this is like, you know, Fulham were, were hanging on dear life. And just to, to add on that point of Berlin, it's important you when you, you watch Man City, a lot of their goals come because their, their wing backs are able, or their left and right backs are able to, you know, pick a pass out in, in, in you know, when they're in good positions. They either eat a 45 and then, you know, the brainer or silver or someone gets in the end of it, or you know, you put the ball in the danger zone in the box where a own goal happens because the defender is no other way but to put the ball in his own net. So Ballerin is almost like he gives a lifeline you know, with these overheat crosses or you know, not eating to the to the Arsenal player. So if he can just turn that tune that part of his game up, I mean it can be even more dangerous. Yeah. And then twenty seventh minute William then uh, took a free kick and, uh, you know, I didn't really expect anything because, look, we haven't seen really, you know, dangerous footy kicks since, say, Lacazette in the Europa League last season. Yeah. And, um, Pepe as well. But this time, uh, William beats the wall, beats the keeper as well, and then the ball at the base of the post. Oh, I was hoping he would have got the debut goal. I was like, ah, oh, man, this is a bit unfortunate that about a few centimetres to the right and then it nestled in the bottom corner. So as the game then wears down in the in the first half, Arsenal of course allow position to Fulham. But I mean, you could, as you were mentioning prior to this, Arsenal looked very much in control. It was like we let you get the have the ball while we have a kind of breather. But if we want the ball, we can just take it off you again. Yeah, and and it kind of summed up 
the half and when when the players were walking out to the second half, um, I can't remember who, who we had in the studio. Like he said that um, he, uh, the commentator said there's more likely to be a second goal for Arsenal than an equaliser from Fulham because you just could not see Fulham, you know, penetrating the Arsenal defence. You know, Gabriel was was top notch, like you mentioned personally to me, where you said, you know, he, he kind of ushers the 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 attacker away from goal. You know, he, he doesn't just dive in like we've seen with Arsenal players when they just previously just diving into tackles and then you know getting beaten so easily. It's like he's more composed and cool. And I mean, how many times haven't we, you know, you know, had we, <laughs> <laughs> like last season, especially that Emery period, where people like Mustafi and and Socrates and they would like just dive into a tackle. And I'm thinking, then or some commentators would always say, I mean, the player is running away from the goal, so why would you take that sort of risk of just, you know, lunging into a tackle and, and giving away, say, a penalty or something like that? Whereas uh, Gabriel, you can see uh, there were a few times where. Um, this uh, Cabano and I, I forgot the other guy that was playing on the other flank, they were trying to lure, you know, a sort of heavy footed tackle in and all uh, uh, Gabriel always did was, you know, he just stood on his feet and like either with upper body strength, got them, got them, um, got the ball off them or he would just, uh, you know, usher them away or jockey the, the player, which we've always been talking about, of, you know, jockey a player away from goal then just uh, diving in. Yeah, and it's perfectly, I mean, you know, we, we could have added so many, put ourselves in so many difficult positions, giving away free kicks in silly areas, but we were disciplined, we didn't, you know, dive in, like you mentioned, and, you know, it, it kind of helps you when you're defending a one lead to not put yourself in unnecessary danger. Yeah, and then a 48th minute, Rob Holding then goes on this sort of <laughs> camp run, where he ends up freaking the ball and just starts tapping the ball. <laughs> The Fulham midfielders, he ends up like lobbing a couple of them. And as he plays like, the, you know, real cool clinical pass to Lacazette, I think Lacazette just denied by one of the defenders, you know, uh, blocking the cross come shot. So Arsenal end up getting the corner. William then steps up, picks out the perfect cross. The whole Fulham defense kind of ball watching. And Gabriel ends up rising above everybody. He enters the ball against his shoulder and the ball kind of squirts down and squeezes between the Rodak's legs. 2-0 Arsenal. Yeah, it's quite a surprise. I mean, my, my girlfriend who starts to, starting to watch more and more Arsenal games, um, she always um, hates Arsenal corners because she always feels that some, nothing's going to come from it. But it clearly shows that, you know, under Arteta and um, maybe William on the, on the corners, you know, we could see more goals from set pieces. And you, you also mentioned, did we sign that set piece coach? Was it from... Was oh, it from, yeah, from Brentford, yeah. Did, did 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 he come onto the Arsenal coaching staff? Yeah, he was sitting because when when um, I think there's a a picture where uh, when the header scored when they go to Arteta, then Arteta's like you know with a fist in the end you can see the guy that's just kind of off his shoulder just giving like a nod of approval so you can see that was something that was really worked on the training ground. Yeah, it just shows you know what what difference these things like. I mean, you need to convert, you know, your corners before. Like, I don't know if you took notice of all the corners that when you used to get it, you could rather just you know go make yourself a cup of tea because you knew the ball was gonna either end up with a counter attack against us or just just gonna not beat the first man. So you know, they can see these small little things that you and I have been you know nitpicking on over time. Or don't want to speak too soon, but you can see those little improvements in those things. Yeah, because look, the tests will also come, you know, as we go through the, the games gradually through the course of the season. So it's only for us, you know, to really improve and, and, and it's, you know, click up every time another gear or another level. Yeah, I definitely 100% agree with that. Uh, then in the 57th minute, Arsenal encounter from the back. I think it was from the goalkeeper already. The ball yeah. gets out, down, you know, through the different channels. The ball gets eventually played to El Nini, who say, I think it's Cleared, cleaned out by one of the Fulham players, the ball, and of course spills out. William gets control of the ball, and you know, spray something like a 30 or 40 yard pass across the pitch. And I mean, Obamia gets the ball, and you know, this is becoming almost like not only trademark, not yeah. just on the Obamia way, but just if, if you guys have an opportunity to just watch again, Kieran Tierney does like an overlap run, like almost like a decoy run down the outside flank. And then Ainsley Maitland-Niles starts just running a, a midfield, 
you know, he's, he just does the run. It's not like he wants the pass, but he makes this sort of decoy run down the middle again, which, of course, opens up everything. And you can see the, the, the Fulham defenders and even <laughs> some of the midfield runners, they like trying to pick up Tierney. They're trying to pick up um, uh, Maitland-Niles. And, of course, it opens up the whole thing for, for uh, Aubameyang. And, I mean, it's now like becoming his trademark finish, 3-0 Arsenal. Yeah, it's almost like Arsenal lure you into a false sense of security. You start knocking the ball out the back. You know, you feel, okay, you know, we're going to squeeze them in, squeeze them in. And eventually, you know, the ball is in your back of your own net. Like you said, it's become a trademark move. We've seen it against City. We've seen it against Liverpool. And now we see it against Fulham. So, Arteta keeps definitely, you, you probably will, teams will probably maybe pick up on that. And it's going to probably be a slight deviation to it. Because you can see Arteta is constantly always thinking. You know, um, I don't know if anybody can ever has an opportunity to watch that uh, one of the Premier League shows that Andy Townsend knows, and he was on with, I think, Leon Osman. I'm not sure if it was Leon Osman or, or one of the ex-Everton players. And they were discussing this very thing we're not talking about, where Arsenal are making so much space to each other, and then it's not like they start overrunning. And it looks almost like we've got even extra two or three players on the pitch when we start overrunning teams, because they allow that, like say four or five of Fulham players to attack and get caught high up the field. And when that ball gets switched from defense to attack, it's like it gives you like little to no chance to, you know, cover that ground because the sort of fitness levels you're also talking about with Arsenal and Arteta is also kind of next level at times. Yeah, and it's kind of giving us look, you know, we we only played Fulham, but We've seen under Emre, and I know we, we did smash Fulham under Emre the last time, but you just see a kind of, a, you know, Fulham were hanging on for their life eventually. You know, previously, maybe, you know, last season, Fulham would have felt, you know, we have a chance, we can take you on, we have a chance. But it just seems, and I know we still need to go and face, you know, a tough opposition, a more Premier League ready side. I'm not saying, you know, Fulham is going to get relegated, but the more team that's, you know, was their last season, played against Arsenal, might know more of what to expect under Arteta. It's going to be interesting to see now, you know, if we're going to add that, add that same fear factor to our opponents because that's been lacking for the past few seasons. Yeah. And then, like, so from the 63rd minute to about close to the 70th minute, Fulham did now have, of course, a kind of flurry of chances, but Arsenal saw to it that Leno was like he had little or nothing to, to deal with because most of the, the hard work was being ground out by Xhaka and Elneny and... Uh, Holding and, and Tierney and uh, um, Gabriel, they were also seeing that most of the job gets cleaned up in that zone in front of the box. So they were not really allowing anything. And I mean, every corner or throw in of Fulham got dealt with immediately upfield. You know, you know, no nonsense clearance upfield or quick slick passes through the defence and then, you know, switching in uh, to attack. Yeah, the, the, you could see it as a very... Okay, so it started becoming a very professional performance. You know, it was switched on. There wasn't any of those, you know, silly moments we saw previously with players. Well, you know, just be too complacent. We've seen it before. Sorry to interrupt you, but if you remember what you were just talking about of, of last season when we smashed them both times, even yes. though they came at, at, at um, sorry, uh, last season, was it? Two, two seasons ago. Two, two seasons ago, yes. When we beat Fulham, it was not a game. It was just one-way traffic. I mean, they were peppering us. It's yes. Just, it was like, uh, you know, a, a straight basketball-type shootout. And it's like just we came out with, with getting that, what was it, five at the end? Or yes. five against the one. But, I mean, we were giving them numerous chances. I'm sure if you even go on the stats, you'll see Fulham did have probably a decent number of chances against us. And just were, I think Leno was on his top game also in that game. Yeah. And, and you're 100% right. If you remember the Emre, you know, a lot of our games... We, if you go back to our podcast, actually, like, you know, when he was still in charge, a lot of the games were basketball games. You know, it was, you, you chance, we take a chance, you take a chance, we take a chance. And, you know, it was almost like, you know, we, we, we won, but, you know, it could have been easily the other way as well. But, you know, this game, Arsenal, you know, 3 not up, you, you just couldn't see Fulham getting, you know, their noses back in the game. Yeah, because, I mean, I think by the second goal, you could see that all fight was really out of uh, that Parker, Scott Parker, because, I mean, he ended up in throwing uh, Mitrovic there thinking, okay, with ease. Because, look, I, in a way, I was a bit concerned because, look, yeah. somebody, he, like we mentioned last week, he, he's like a battering ram for them because 
he might not have skill in it, but I mean, he is going to outmuscle you. He's going to look. I mean, how many of our players in the clip in that game now, uh, the past game, where he was like taking out some of our midfielders or, or defenders, like, you know, with heavy uh, tackles? Yeah, I think it was Jaka. It was on the ground at one stage as well. I don't know if it was because of him, but you know, full of more clattering us as well. And I thought, I thought Flip Jaka can't afford to get injured. No, it's not something I've said in the past. You know, I never. You can see the key that Jaka adds to the team, and you know, top performance by the team all around, and especially for me, for William as well. You know, it's for his first um, time in Arsenal colours. Like I was really impressed. And I would side note also to this game, um, you know, William becomes the first Arsenal player to assist two goals on a Premier League debut since Ray Paul in 1992. Oh, wow. That's, 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 a, that's a cool stat. That's a very cool stat. And, you know, let's hope it's the, it continues upwards like that. I mean, it just shows the value you add if you sign somebody that, you know, and his work rate was top-notch. Like, you could see him fetching the ball at the back where sometimes he, like, you know, defending as well. He defended very nicely as well. So, you know, I, I see a lot of promising things coming from him and adding to the competition. But you know what I actually really enjoyed and it was like watching William in the Chelsea blue. It's like, um, look, he was playing outside, right? But yeah. every time, it, it was almost like the way we were playing. It's like we would suck that hole. Like from the central midfield to the central defence, we'd suck them almost into the like more in the middle to the uh, to the left side of the pitch as you know as we attacking. Yeah. And then whenever you would see the ball get switched out to the flank, it's almost like William had this free run. Like you know everything just opened up for him because yeah. even though the left back is supposed to be marking him or what you know keeping an eye on him, that left sided midfield uh, midfielder or left back they were all in the middle of the park. So by the time that ball gets switched, like you know whether it was Aubameyang or Jaco uh, El Nini switching it wide. I mean, he constantly made this, and and you can see if if, if teams are not going to combat that, uh, you know, our game now, you can see William clocking a lot of goals this season or a lot of assists because he, you know, he's somebody already is quite creative, and I mean, if he's coming already uh, rushing that ball with with so many ideas, like you know, things ticking in his head, like whether you know he's going to pass or whether he's going to shoot, you know, like, you can see a goal raining at some games for us. And and you have a lot of options now attacking. Well, I looked at the bench. I think I saw Saka and um, what's the other one? Pepe. Yeah. You know, you, you you look at them and you think, you know, if ever you win a pickle in the game, you know, you, you can throw your bench. I mean, not maybe Williams on the bench next time, or maybe like sits on the bench next time, or you know, a bombing's rested on the bench. You have that that cavalry now on the bench where you can look and say, okay, this is not working out. Let's bring on this guy. Because in the past, we looked at our bench and we were like, okay, who's going to change the game for us if it needs to be changed? Yeah. So, 76 minutes, Arsenal then make their first switch. They take William out, Pepe comes in. And then I think with that, what we, you were mentioning about the tackle, the heavy tackle on Xhaka, he then ends up not being able to run it off. He comes off in 79th minute for Ceballos. And then, I mean, as Arsenal then wind the game, really, you know, down to the full time whistle. Nketiah comes on in the 87th minute uh, for Lacazette. But I mean, as the full-time whistle goes, a solid and, as you mentioned, a professional start to the season for Arsenal. Yeah, 3-0, I'll, I'll gladly uh, you know, take the points. And well, one thing is, like, you know, I wonder what's happening with Saka because we, we, we never seem to be giving him much show. Like, you know, we, we have in that community, but, like, you know, the back end of last season, we saw him facing him. He, he never played as much games. And I thought he would have had uh, some sort of role to play. But I just think, look, if you remember the, the first part of the 2019-2020 season, yeah, it was really overworked. I mean, I remember you and I think in one of the, like, you know, way earlier podcasts of, of that uh, previous season, where we were saying, you know, as, as good of a talent as he is, you also have to think, look, he's still like a teenager and you need to think, look, how you can we best use him? And not just, you know, you know, play, almost like literally play the play into the ground. You don't want that either. So, like I think Walsh, this, yeah. yeah, and I think this week, Ateta's knowledge also, you know, from being at, at Man City, working with real talented youngsters, he now knows how best to, you know, to judge, not only judge, but to, you know, uh, make use of uh, Saka in the, in the squad. Yeah, uh, no, 100%. You know, good, good, good um, points you've you've mentioned. Yeah. So we switch our attention now to the game tomorrow, tomorrow evening actually, which is really weird. 
Um, Arsenal taking on West Ham. Our first home game of the season. But, I mean, look, West Ham always make life... I mean, all Gooners, yeah. are, you know, they will always make life difficult for us because normally it's like, you know, a one or two goal difference. Either, like sometimes either way because West Ham do, you know, really throw the, the you know, the, the, the kitchen sink at us when need be because... Physically, they normally used to go toe to toe with us, but I think I mean it's, it's going to be a good test now to see what you know the sort of game plan Arteta has against them and what sort of you know physicality we switch to to play some a team like that. You know, uh, it's probably one of the games I feel confident about. Uh, I don't sound too cocky, but I see the three points you know coming our way because. If you looked at, I think we saw West Ham's performance against Newcastle. It was you know. Very, very not up to standard. And, you know, if they're going to come with that similar performance to Arsenal and Arsenal, you know, are playing the football they're playing, you know, you can see Arsenal winning by more than two goals in this game. Yeah, because, I mean, I heard a lot of people, look, I didn't see the game, but I just heard, uh, in even reading the articles, like with, with the West Ham fans, where they were just not happy. It was like the players just did not turn up even for our own game. Yeah, and, and and if they come to the end to that sort of attitude, this is not, you know, I don't want to speak you know, before the time. This is not the type of Arsenal that, you know, under the latter years of Wenger or or maybe um, with, with Emery. I think this Arsenal side, you know, if you're not going to show up on the day, they're not going to bring their performance down to your level. I think this Arsenal side of Palmeiring signed a new contract. There's a lot of excitement and positivity around the club. And if West Ham don't turn up and Arsenal you know, come with the same intensity that they have for the past few games. I think West Ham could be in big trouble. Yeah, because I mean, I think the, the, the way Arteta has set the squad up, it's like they can sniff, like, you know, if there's any sort of flaw in your game and, that, and they will exploit that very thing. And, you know, it, it, look, it just takes one goal, you know, to, to break. So even if they come now to, to, to like, you know, to park the pass defend and that, I think it just takes one goal, like, or even a, just one early goal by us. And that forces David Moyes into a total, you know, having to change the whole strategy and game plan. Because, you know, as much as, as, as coaches say, yeah, you don't want to tinker too much if you concede early. Most of these teams, like, you know, the, the, the teams that are like, normally running down the, the, the lower half of the table, they do, like, the, the coaches do panic because, look, there's so much at, you know, at risk. So they're going to have to like, kind of switch things up. And, look, it's almost like it would play then again into Arsenal's favour if, they now think, okay, now we can start playing ball, and then it almost like exposes them even more now at us. And it's going to be interesting to see what Arteta decides with the starting lineup because, you know, are, do you see anybody that deserves to be dropped from the game against Fulham, or do you think he's going to you know, think tactically and make little swaps here and there? Because me personally, I can't say I saw anybody that would say, okay, you need to come and sit out now because you didn't give a good performance. I mean, the only thing is, it depends what style of play, because if it means us, you know, having a bit more, um, you know, balls getting flung into the box, because look, we, we can actually go or, or become more, be more adventurous tomorrow. So, I mean, maybe, you know, have, have, say, we look better and maybe sit out. I mean, I'm not saying it's going to be like that, but I'm just talking about my opinion, and I would actually let Michael Niles get that slot, and then for the creativity part, you can then slot, say, uh, somebody like Ceballos in the middle and then, you know, give him the more creative role in the middle of the park and then you can let uh, El Nenny almost like play that sort of role where Michael Niles was. Oh, okay. I thought you, you said you'd stick the same formation. You wouldn't go a 4-3-3 maybe with Shaka then sitting with kind of El Nenny and then you let, yeah. you know, Ceballos do look, that. Look, the thing is, at the moment, the way Arsenal have been playing, uh, uh, I think you must also take note of, of you know, how the game runs accordingly in the game. Arsenal were chopping and changing formations like two or three times in their game uh, against Fulham. And I think it could be like play out, uh, play out the same thing because the minute they saw Mitrovic, you know, trying to dominate him in that game we were discussing prior, they were then setting up at times with a four, a back four, and then they can switch again back to the three, four, three again. So, you know, I, I really enjoyed this, the, the way we can do things. Because look, that time when you and I were discussing, I don't know if it was in the very early days when we started doing podcasting, casting together where some teams we would play against they would change in a game like the, the formation three or four times where yeah. they would you know have the upper end against us yeah it's just refreshing to see a, a, um, a different type of arsenal now that 
we 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 watching. You know, there's 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 more enjoyment watching the game because you can see, like I said, everything that you know that used to annoy us is being worked on. They're they're not making the same errors week in week out. So it's it's just refreshing as an Arsenal fan watching us. You know, slowly but surely on the ascendancy. So uh, we switch our attention now to the midweek game against Leicester City at the King Power Stadium in the Carabao Cup third round. Um, you know, games against Leicester, especially now with Brendan Rodgers at the helm, you know, have never been easy because, I mean, yeah. they will set up to frustrate, even if, you know, they're home. But, I mean, they will probably try to set us up, you know, to, to just rather hit us on the break. And, I mean, look, they've gone. They're on a good run against us at the moment. They're now unbeaten three times, uh, unbeaten three games that we face them. And, I mean, I think both Leicester and Arsenal will probably go full strength because, look, I think they playing in the Sunday and we playing the Monday night against Liverpool. So I think both teams will probably try to go full out and then probably give their players also the full risk. I mean, I'm just, I'm just not sure we're going to say go with a, a sort of squad that not played uh, the the uh, West Ham game. But I, I just think to myself, they will probably try to have some sort of decent balance, but not to, uh, you know, that, that sort of Wenger route of playing Carabao Cup because... I just think now with, with regard to Arteta, you know, playing under or having Pep as his mentor, we've all now seen how Pep plays in the in the Carabao Cup. He, yeah. I mean, he plays with a sort of intent and, and, and uh, or intensity that he plays in the Champions League. That's why you always see his squad from around, uh, you know, the early rounds of the Carabao Cup to the final. It's, it plays out the same way as he does in the Champions League group stage. When he sees everything is really, you know, like certain, then you will maybe do his little tinkering in it. But for most parts, you saw yourself in that Carabao Cup as they played against Arsenal in that final where they destroyed us, where he plays a sort of team that can. And I think Arteta, if I recall, Arteta actually was given the, the role for that final to, to coach the team for uh, to coach Man City against us. And uh, what you what you say, um, what you stated now speaks volumes. They have won this trophy three seasons in a row, so it just shows the. The intensity that they play with and how it's used to take it. And I hope, you know, Arsenal take this um, competition relatively seriously because if you look at the teams, it's also really knocked out of the competition. Wolves fell away last night. Things are Hamptons out as well. So it's like, you know, the opportunities are there to, to get to the teams. I'm sure Liverpool won't probably also take it serious. So this can be a trophy. And it's kind of a trophy at this stage of a season, you know, if you get to the final and pick up the trophy. And you're in some sort of title race or you're in some sort of, you know, top four challenge. It gives you that kind of motivation. Okay, we got the, we ticked this box. Now we push on again. So, yeah, let's hope we take it serious against Leicester and we can get the result. And I mean, one thing that always sticks in my head is like uh, something Gary Neville said some years back where he said, uh, you know, everybody always takes the, the Carabao Cup lightly. And he says, you can actually use that tournament as a springboard to how your, your, the rest of your league season also goes. Because just for that players to, you know, I think there's something you've always told me also, that about, you know, just to get your hands on some solver yes. early on in the season. So if you set up well in the, in the league already, like, you know, if you can be even touching distance of so the front runners, then at least you can think, okay, yeah, you got already your first, uh, you know, chance of silverware. And now, if you want more, you're going to have to, you know, really pull your finger out and, you know, gun for it, whether it's FA Cup, Premier League, or uh, Europa League. You, you, you've seen that with Arsenal. At, I don't know if you remember the 2010-2011 season. We were poised, top spot on the log. We just beat Barcelona 2-1. And we came up against Birmingham City in the Carling Cup final, Carabao Cup, whatever you want to name it. And, you know... I always wondered to myself, if we had won that game against Birmingham, would our season have turned out differently? Because after that, we lost, yeah. you know, it, we got knocked out of everything. And I still wonder to this day, you know, if we had won the Carabao Cup, that, like you mentioned, would we have, you know, that springboard taken the team to the next level? Because, I mean, you get hands on silverware, and then suddenly the players think, okay, this is a normal feeling I need to feel every season. Yeah. So now let's switch our attention to talking points. Um, of course, the big news early on in the week, Aubameyang has now finally signed. I mean, his contract. I mean, it was dragging so much. I mean, at one point, 
it was becoming almost like I think I still told you it was becoming for me very tedious because you know you want to have that sort of excitement that the, the signing is done, but it's like every time you're being you know left hanging and 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 you know you quite kind of questioning and look with the transfer window still like you know good twenty odd days out. You do start worrying because I think at one point I started telling you even look, I'm actually getting a bit concerned because if if there's like with so many other big clubs looking for centre forwards or, or wingers and then you actually do wonder look can his head still be turned? Yeah, no, hundred percent. But the funny thing for me is I don't think in the history of contracts of players signing a, a new contract I don't think. There's been ever such a big deal made about a player signing a, deal, a new deal. Like the, the videos that are going around, it's almost like a bombing just joined Arsenal as a new signing. But, uh, you know, for me, we had the, really the, the him and the club to another level was if you think how many people have walked out on us or, or you know, kind yeah. of on us, well, like, you know, the one Percy is the. Fabregas. Fabregas and it. Nasri. And yeah, and then you see now finally this guy is thinking, okay, they did that way. Now I'm going to do it something different. And now for us as Arsenal fans, for us is now also something new to see somebody not doing yes. that. You know, it's, it's like one of our key players, our real talisman of the squad, is now stepping up to the plate and thinking, okay, I've heard the, what, you know, what Oteta's plans or project is, and I'm, I'm all aboard. Yes, it should you know bode well for us as confidence as Arsenal fans. You know, for someone like a Bamiang, in his you know this is probably his last big contract, willing to see it out at Arsenal. Just says there could be something um, positive happening, and like you mentioned, it's such a few good factors as fans because we've looked up you know at Fabregas, Sanchez, Bamiang, and them saying we need you. You know, as Arsenal fans, we need you. We need you. Don't leave us. And they walked out just like that, and. This year, Bamiang staying and uh, the feel-good factor around the club. It's just, you know, like an, another... We was taking the club to the next level again. It's like, you know, you're watching all these other clubs now playing. You know, you watch Barcelona. And not to say that we will beat them easily, but they're not the same Barcelona we saw five, six years ago. You look at Real Madrid. Like, I would fancy Arsenal playing at Real Madrid. And... Uh, a Barcelona even, yes, I would be a bit nervous, but I wouldn't be as scared as I was with Messi in his prime, Xavi in Iniesta, and, you know, Ronaldo, all these guys at their prime. It's like Arsenal now are slowly, and with a few more additions here and there, we can slowly start building ourselves to the club we once were. Yeah, because I mean, you're using maybe Aubameyang as your foundation, and you start building upon that, and and maybe maybe in a, in a year or so, you bring in a sort of forward... Uh, say also young forward, you know, I mean, I'm not saying it's going to be maybe Martinelli that takes up that mantle, but I mean, you end up letting, you know, play almost like developing that squad, even if, whether it's bought or from the academy, you let them develop and that, and, you know, kind of you grow your own sort of super, you know, homegrown super, like superstar in the squad, because yeah. you get, you, from what, what a lot of people have also said about Aubameyang, when you watch him also play, you know, he's a senior player, but you see him allow chances for others. And when you sometimes watch like, some of the top forwards, uh, like, you, you won't see, so, not, I mean, unless he's forced to, Ronaldo or somebody, he wants everything. He wants to, you know, he wants the glory. He's naming the lights. Messi, for, for most parts, he's like that. Sometimes, okay, you will lay off on that. But for most parts, he, when he sees the white of the goal, he's going to go for it. Whereas you watch Aubameyang, look at that one game we, we did also, was it last season, where he was running clear through and, he, you know, he could have gone on and he ends up also giving it to, I think, Nketiah, where he tries to set Nketiah up for a chance. Yeah, and I think it works in his favour. Like, you saw that even against um, Man City, you know, a lot of pundits were raving in that second goal where he was bearing in on goal and he was looking like, no, is there a better option for me? Okay, no, I need to go, like, you know, take the shot. Otherwise, you probably would have looked to square the ball to or you know, one of his um, fellow teammates and looking for an easier chance. So, like you mentioned, he's just an all-round quality player and, you know, so happy that he decided to sign the team. And, of course, uh, other news also then broke this past week. Uh, Emiliano Martinez now joined Aston Villa on a 
18 million deal was uh, with add-ons it probably would go up to 20 or 21 million yeah it, it, it is a bit of a like you know a bittersweet moment you know because you know martinez started the season uh, we wouldn't have said you know he's going to make a big impact for us and then you know, Leno gets injured, you worried, like, oh, you know, Leno's out, what's we going to do now? And then you just see Martinez, you know, his first game back, he, he, he makes a few good saves, and you start, but he's, you just start building more and more confidence with him until, you know, he, he eventually won us over, like, you know, wholeheartedly as Arsenal fans, and then, you know, him depart, leaving, and just the, the way he left, it's also like, there was no bitterness towards anybody, we all understood it, it was like, it was like a, uh, uh, a good breakup in a way with, with the way things are and you know wish him well all the best but what also what was also important it showed is that you need a, a number two keeper that can be as reliable as a number one we haven't had it in a long time I think possibly back to the Alex Manninger days I think we had a you know good understudy for David Seaman but I don't know I think we need another number two which is going to be the, to the same for the same purpose as Martinez did. I mean, it was, yeah, I was actually with you because, you know, at the end of the day, it, it also had to come now down to Martinez was now there already, what, 10 years, he didn't want yeah. to really stick around, knowing he's not going to be, you know, uh, really having a chance at number one. So, I mean, for me, it was, for me, like, you know, a real bitter pill to swallow because, look, you saw the quality there. And, and I think what frustrated me in a way, but, you know, you can't also wrong him, but it's almost like he really turned it on that, that almost like that last six months of his Arsenal career where yes. you started seeing a different form of him. And look, I was, as I said, look, I was the one that in January wanted him to, you know, leave because I just yeah. didn't see any sort of improvement because, like, like sometimes the handling or distribution, but I don't know if it was not since the Arteta thing where or the, the sort of coaching he was also getting now under Arteta, with a, you know, with goalkeeping coaches that were brought in. He looked more, you know, uh, distribution, he looked way more comfortable. Even, you know, when, when, when it came down to footwork, I think that is where he actually got the nod more ahead of Leno, where yes. people were saying he looks more comfortable as, like, you know, we, we, with this style of play of ours, with a playing out from the back. And I think ever since that, it's also now... Of course, early days, but you can see Leno's kind of improved in that also now. With that, yes, really playing the ball and it, it doesn't look like too much pressure, you know. Because I think the problem with us in the beginning when we tried this all uh, playing out from the back, we think it's almost like the player has to be almost like on your shoelaces before you're gonna play. The <laughs> and that is what you should drive. You know, most of us, I'm sure, they get <laughs> up the wall when they do that. <laughs> Oh, it's a, it's a funny thing. Yeah, we used to do, you know, we were waiting and waiting till the players literally closed us down so much that we forced into an error. I just hope Arsenal's number two but can carry the, you know, the weight as well because we, when Leno got injured, there's a massive gap to fill, you know, and a goalkeeper is an integral part of your season. You know, you, you, if you, even if your backup keeper doesn't step up to the plate, you know, you start leaking in... Um, Minor goals, silly goals. So, yeah, I just hope that our, our, our new number two will take the spot as do it as amazing job as Martinez did. And I mean, at the moment, the, the the talk is that his replacement will be the Dijon uh, number two Icelandic keeper Runa Alex Runason. He's I think twenty five. He's been at Dijon I think since about twenty eighteen, I believe. And I think he's, it's almost like a radio, if you think of it, also a dream come true for him because, you know, you're coming from as a number two from a, almost like a, a team that's always dangling between uh, 16th and 18th in, in the French League. And now you're getting the sort of springboard in your career where you still, look, at still a decent age for a goalkeeper where he's not coming in and, and probably stepping in as a number two at, at, at the club, like Arsenal, that stature. That's already having this project to try to you know get us back to where we really belong, and as well as now he, the sort of games and exposure he's going to get now. Yeah, he, he will definitely be playing. You know, even number two. He, this is the worry is that you know Akavi hasn't broken into the number one. Is there uh, is there number one that good that he can't you know force his way in? But on the other hand, you know it will be good exposure for him that 
you know, playing in the Europa League most likely and, you know, all the cup competitions. So there'll be plenty of football for him to be played, like yeah. to be played for him. And then that's just a final point I'd to make is uh, this talk of former Arsenal player Chuba Ekpom, who's uh, at Pauk Salonika, who could be joining Middlesbrough. And the reason I'm just bringing this up is Arsenal now entitled to something like one almost one and a half million pounds or so. So, I mean, all those little... Bits like, and pieces. Oh, yeah, all those bits and pieces are coming kind of together because, look, uh, at the moment from the... Uh, you know, the talk is really building up and I mean, that on all forms now of social media and, and the different sports outlets also, that Arsenal, the, the targets are still, you know, firmly with Thomas Party and uh, with Usam uh, Awa. Because I think they really, that's why they're trying to also just push out extra bodies now also, because look at Torreira thing is almost finalized because I think everything looks like, you know, signed and sealed. So it's just a matter of time when everything goes through. So it's already opening up a space because somebody, I don't know who it was that was mentioning the other day about how we also clearing now, you know, not we, we have, almost like we kind of stocked up now with our homegrown players because look, that also accounts at the end of the day and we're actually getting now rid of non-homegrown players. So, which means normally for that, you will bring in somebody in the same type of stature into that slot. Yeah, for firstly, when you mentioned Oxalonica, I'm thinking back to 97, 98 season and they put us out the UEFA Cup. But um, yeah, I, I do think that, you know, these transfers coming in, the, especially the two that you mentioned now, I think, you know, could be pieces to the puzzle that, you know, we're missing as well. And once we get that, we have a proper squad that we can build forward. And there's a point I want to mention also is that. If you look at the defense now, you know, it's slowly but surely taking shape. I mean, I can't see a Socrates getting back in the team. Like, I, I don't know how he would fit in the team because our defense is so almost agile and mobile now. And then Mustafi, you know, you wonder if he's going to make a breakthrough back in the squad again. So I'm glad to see our foundations are getting sorted out. We've always spoken about it, but our, def- our keeper, you know, top solid keeper now we have. And, you know, you look in front of him now, you're starting to slowly see the defence that you can breathe and have a sigh of relief. You know, you're not going to hold your breath every time something comes up one-on-one against him. So, I think this Arsenal team is slowly getting there to where we once saw it was. And we kind of almost, Arteta is writing, not that Wenger is wrong, but writing the wrongs of Wenger because he used to like, you know, these ball-playing players only, not somebody that could, you know, do a job defensively, whether it's the midfield or defence. Like you always said, you know, we haven't replaced Vieira, we haven't replaced Vieira, but it's almost like, you know, they're doing a job with various players, you know, trying to, to take over that mantle of bossing that midfield and solidifying their defence. But I mean, the one thing that we used to see, which is almost like very unlike the way Wenger had the squad play and the, the way Emery had the squad play, is like, You've got now players that, when they see they they kind of in trouble, they will just you know literally leather the ball up the. <laughs> <laughs> like I mean, look at David. We started the whole trend, uh, you know, at the end of last season when we were like really frustrating the like the top teams when he was playing, and I mean you see Rob Holding and them doing the same thing, if need be Tierney. I mean Tierney. I think I mean that zone also add. I mean that guy's eye for sometimes the passes that he picks out is crazy. Yeah, uh, definitely, and it's like you know, when you're talking about the, the booting the ball out, you also have a look at the Palmeiras, the Williams, or whoever. They also defeat when the when all hands need to be on deck, they are there at the back as well. So it's 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 exciting to see, and you know, I'm looking forward as the season progresses to see you know where we are. I mean, there's like you know, there's belief now in this Arsenal side. Yeah. So with that, we'll end the podcast. We hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. Enjoy the match tomorrow. I hope you get the positive re- result. Come on, you Gunners. Come on, Gunners. Let's get the three points. <laughs>